Hey folks, your friendly neighborhood Alex here with a couple of quick announcements before we get started with this week's episode. First off, this one was recorded live at Atlanta Comic Con on the spoopiest day of the least spoopy month, Friday the 13th of July, 2018. We'd like to thank the show for having us, and everyone who came out to listen to us, who asked questions, and who sent questions in, and of course, you for listening. Because this is a live show, sometimes audio can be a little unpredictable. Uh, Jen has done an amazing job of cleaning up our audio track for this one. It might be a little quiet, you might want to turn it up a little bit, but also you might not. Who knows? That's your call. In any case, we're really happy with how this one turned out. So sit back, relax, and Chase, take us away. And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and no, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsi, oh, damn it. This is episode 116 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. And I'm Brian. And we are, for listeners at home, live from Atlanta Comic Con. Woo! Yeah! yeah. First year. It's a huge crowd, you guys. The first inaugural. Year. You should That's see right. it. <laughs> first day, first year. the biggest year. room I've been in at a con, I think. Well, yeah. This is huge, yeah. This is... <laughs> Um, so our plan for our live show is a little different, a little different from what we normally do. Yep. Normally each week we go through that week's new comics. Um, is anyone in here already a listener or is everyone? Okay, cool. Woo! Thank you. Yay. Uh, for our live show, we like to pick out some trades to make each other read that we haven't gotten to talk about on the show before or that maybe just we haven't gotten everyone to read yet. And yeah. sometimes it's mean, Brian. Yeah, sometimes it's mean, Brian. Sometimes it's done from a place of malice. <laughs> sometimes it's not, though. We're going to have to talk about that. No, not this one. This one's fine. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant this one. No. <laughs> I also knew that. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, we started with Brian last time. We're going to start with Jim this time. Oh, that's right. Best first. Well, what? Yeah, that, that tracks. <laughs> Uh, so, Jin, what did you pick? Yeah, so my book is Pretty Deadly. It's the Kelly Sudaconic book. It is basically a depressing Western, um, which is all about, like, it's my jam. That is my jam. <laughs> um, there's a bunch of good, good gunfights. Yeah. Some some dead bunnies. And there a dead are, snake. It's narrated right? by a dead bunny. Yeah, it's narrated, by, narrated a dead bunny. by a dead bunny. So that immediately makes me go, yeah, this is this is cool. And it is about the daughter of death as a vengeful gunslinger. Yeah. And just the best damn gunslinger. Um, so I picked this one because it's not a superhero comic. I know a lot of people that I've talked to recently, um, they want to get into reading comics, but they don't necessarily like superheroes. So I try to always find things like this, things that are cool and interesting and weird and written by different types of people and drawn by different types of people. Um just to try and make sure that everybody that I know has something that they like. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, All right. So I had not. I, I had read this one before, Brian. You had not. I had right? not. So real quick, I'll, uh, Emma Rios is the art. It did the mm-hmm. art for this. Jordi Belair was uh, on colors, and you already mentioned Kelly Sue DeConnick was the writer. Yep. Um, yeah, this is uh, probably not something I would normally pick up, not because I don't like this kind of thing, just because... Uh, because if it's not a book Brian is reading weekly, he rarely has time I, for I rarely anything. have time to add it, and <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and I've got a, a huge catalog of trades that I already have that I haven't read. But... Um, I'm actually super glad you chose this because I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. Yes. Um, one of the things I know, like, I think all three of these books this that we chose are very, very different. They are not the normal, certainly not superhero comic. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I would say on the weirdness factor, this one's in the middle. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Um, yeah. It's not even... even Kind of going into the the, the tropes of, of what you normally think of as like a story about death or death's daughter or death's wife or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't even kind of follow that. I think because it's fit into this Western motif, um, it, it, it changes it a bit. Well, it has a lot of, I think this is also kind of an inversion of typically what you get in a Western. It has a very muddled sense of who is the good guy. There aren't yes. necessarily... Yeah. Black hats and white hats. Death is not necessarily the bad guy. Death is not necessarily Correct. the villain here. Right. Everybody has agendas that are driving them, mm-hmm. and they all make perfect sense for those characters to have. Yeah. Um, it, part of this was, I think it's probably somewhere right in the middle. There's one particular character called Fox that mm-hmm. when he starts telling his story, that's until that point there's a lot of things that really like it's not like it's confusing but you really don't know how anything fits together when he starts telling his story everything starts falling into right. place and uh and then you're like oh, okay i get this and it's pretty wonderful from that point forward yeah mm-hmm. it reminds me a lot of there's a movie and i think it's on netflix right now called kubo with the two strings oh yeah this reminds <laughs> me a good bit of that and some of some of what's going on i can on. see yeah. that yeah yeah yeah, this was my second time reading this. I had read it uh, probably a couple of years ago originally, right when the first trade came out. And I didn't... I remembered very, very generally how it played out. But a lot of the specifics were fuzzy to me. And I, make maybe, I think maybe some of that is rereading it and kind of knowing where things go seeing all the pieces fit together is a little easier. I can see that. Even without a really clear recollection of exactly how you get from point A to point B. Um, Well, you uh, you gotta remember who the characters are, and that's a big piece of this. Yeah, Yeah, that's hard. Uh, And then subsequent volumes of this jump forward in time, I forget where the second one's set. I know that the third one's supposed to be in like 20s Paris or something like that. Uh, So I think it'll be interesting to see how how these stories jump forward and what what ideas stay, what themes remain in place versus what changes, where those distinctions well, really there's a big Well, there's a big kind of continuity or big shift in kind of the set, setting of this whole yeah. thing at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, and the art. We haven't really talked about the art in this. It oh, is absolutely guys, gorgeous. Art, Emma Rios, beautiful. If you need a book for like 
So you can just sit there and be happy looking at weird shit. Oh, stuff. Cool. All good. All adults. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you need a cool art book, definitely pick this up. It's beautiful. Yeah. Either yeah. of you have anything else on this no. one? No. No. I, yeah. It's it's not art that I would like with every story, but, but it this is one, it fits. wonderful for this. Yeah. 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 It's very melty. Yes. Also, just a lot of full frontal male nudity. <laughs> a whole lot in this. Not one, as much but... as some of the other things that we've been reading <laughs> well, recently. Well, that's <laughs> fair. But for for comics, a lot of full frontal male nudity. Okay. I'm, yeah, I I can't fair. I can't imagine why you picked this, Jim. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's not why. But... No, <laughs> that's not. Why. That's I'm sure that's a very it small part of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do we want to bully Brian? Yeah, let's bully Brian. Bully Here Brian. we go. <laughs> All right, Brian. Uh-huh. You chose a book called Kid Lobotomy. I did choose a book called Kid Lobotomy. And I want to be I want to be up front here. Mm-hmm. For anyone who who hasn't listened before, part of part of the fun we have is bullying Brian. And I'm going to do that. If anyone's read this book and loves it, that's cool. I'm not making fun of this book. Brian, what the fuck? <laughs> so there are some very specific reasons I chose this. One is um, on that weirdness factor of like, you know, one, two, and three, this is like an eight. The knob broke. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 This is as far out there and as far different of a comic as you can get. Uh, and that's part of why I chose it. Um, the other parts of why I chose it is I wanted to honestly get what Jen's reaction to it to see if she liked it or not. He wanted to make me read it. And yeah. then I wanted I wanted to kind of reverse bully Alice because I knew he wouldn't like it. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, it, this is a six issue uh, series that by Peter Milligan. Uh, the art is by Tess Fowler and cover is Lee Lawfridge. Um, it is by Black Crown Comics and it is um, which is Shelley Bond's imprint at uh, Dark Horse? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And Dark Horse IDW. Oh, I is think it? you're right. I think IDW. it is IDW. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, but this is like House of Mystery meets uh, American Horror Story Hotel mixed with Franz Kafka. All right. I've been looking forward to asking Brian this question okay. for a week now. Brian, will you please summarize what happens in this comic? Ooh, that's going to be hard. Um, the main character goes on a surreal journey of which some is real, some is not real. There's no clear delineation on which is which. And he is not well. Okay, you tried to do that in one sentence, which I do applaud you for. Um, it's not the segment of the show, Brian. Come on. Not, it's not. Is it still good? Yeah. So, okay. Let, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Let's okay. see if I got this one. Okay, sure. This is about a kid uh-huh. who was in a rock band. At one point, yes. Decided instead he wanted to play harp. Got kicked out of the band and started running a hotel in which he performs lobotomies on people and eats parts of their brain to get rid of their anxieties. Yeah. yeah. That's how it starts, yeah. Yeah, his father owns the hotel. It's called The Suites. And yes, that's how this starts. And then and, he turns and then into it, a cockroach. And then it gets weird. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then it gets yeah. weird. There's a whole um, heck of a lot of Kafka in it. Yeah, there like if I don't know if anybody has ever read any Kafka, Kafka is very very representational, but it's super super um abstract and odd. And this owes a heavy heavy inspiration from that. Also um, Tennessee Williams and Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah. Um there's a whole issue with his dad and you know big daddy being being big daddy and that repression and and anxiety there's a whole thing about he doesn't know how he should feel about his sister because there's sometimes he's sexually attracted to her there's other times that he knows that she's a bad person and he doesn't like her and i don't feel like those times are completely mutually exclusive they're not no sometimes they're not you're right Um, because he does also ask his shape-shifting girlfriend to turn into his sister which, yeah, I don't, I mean, I guess you kind of spoil, because I don't, I, but it's she's just, kind no, of a construct. That doesn't spoil anything, don't you worry. Yeah, she's sir. kind of a construct of his imagination anyway. <laughs> yeah. But she's also real, so. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, what did you think? This book was real messed up, y'all. <laughs> like, I don't under, okay, it would, I don't even know how to say that I don't understand what I read better than that um this book was very odd it went to a lot of weird places and every single thing that they mention or show you on the page yes ties into something later and comes from somewhere else it was a very involved book it was very involved it was but it was beautiful and i kind of loved it the, and i hate brian for that the art is, the art is gorgeous you have to give me that even yeah Alice. it is yeah. tess fowler is very good she did some rat queens right mm-hmm. yeah 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 this good book brian damn you did damn you like you. it damn uh, you okay yeah. I thought, like i said i knew alex would not this is so far out of his wheelhouse <laughs> but it's funny though on paper, it isn't necessarily. But no, but in ex- even ex- I, like I knew you would not care for this. It is so close to being something like what you would see out of Young Animal right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, I was going to say this is very much in the in a similar vein to Doom Patrol right now. But it's more, much more what I would call like avant-garde yeah. theater type. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Super theatrical. Yes. Yeah. I'm not I'm not actually going to say I hated it. It is <laughs> not your bag, baby. <sighs> Someday I'll develop a decent Austin Powers impersonation so I can say that. Please don't. It yeah, definitely is. rubs me the wrong way, but I can't that's put into words why. That's, right mm, that's not a good way to talk about this book. <laughs> no, because this is, mm, I'd say, you know, like a cat, but I don't know that that makes it better. No, not really. Um it is so strange. And, like, there is a part of me that wants to sit down and go back through and trace out every weird literary reference it makes. Yeah, sure. Because there was a lot you, of you, that. Yeah, I was going to say, you could spend a while doing that. Yeah. Um, if you need, first of all, if you want something so incredibly different, try it. Yeah. Because yeah. it is it is definitely that. If you need a piece that you can, like, a, a book that's like it's just six issues that you can dissect and try to analyze like for a literary class or something this would kind of be cool for that too because like i said there's a lot yeah. in it you can dig dig okay. into i will say do not try to read this book while people in the same room as you are watching the movie annihilation 
because that'll take you to a weird headspace. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Do you need to that. talk about it? You know, I think I'll save it for my therapist. Okay. I thought that's what we were. Oh, wait, that would be so much cheaper. Podcast is therapy? <laughs> I don't think iTunes would let us through. Probably not. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe not. Too vulgar. Maybe not. Okay. Uh, my turn. Yay. What you got? I have the woods, which... I did a stupid thing and last year committed myself to reading a trade every day of the year. And out of the 365 I read, The Woods was probably my favorite. Not counting maybe stuff I'd read before, because I occasionally took it easy on myself and read some stuff that I already knew and loved. Um, this is James Tynan, mm -hmm. who is on Justice League Dark now mm -hmm. and has done a lot of stuff for DC in Gotham. Uh, and Michael Dialinus, who is on, what is the name of his book right now? It's uh, Lucy Dreaming. Yes. Oh. Which is this cool mini-series about a little girl who lives other lives in parallel worlds when she dreams. And they're all actually happening and actually happening to her. That's uh, not this book, though. Hey, y'all, we like weird cerebral stuff. Yeah. This is our this is our psychedelic episode. <laughs> um, I told you the weirdness scale. Like even this is the least weird book, and it was still a little odd. Yeah, it's weird in design, but right. I feel like it's a very simple kind oh, of it story. Is. It is. It is about this high school in Wisconsin, in or near Milwaukee, that one day just disappears and reappears on the moon of an alien planet. And it is like Lord of the Flies-esque a little bit because the student body and the administration are fighting each other over who should lead and how should lead and should the English teacher who used to be special ops create a dictatorship or should the student body president run it as a socialist colony? <laughs> uh, as a but it's small, not that political. Yeah. As a small group of kids goes out into the woods to figure out what's going on and where they are and is anyone else out there. I'm trying to follow these clues. And, yeah. Yeah. And the thing that I really love about this series as a whole and that I don't think you get a ton of in just the first arc. Uh, I think you see shades of it and rereading it. I saw things that I know happened being set up and that made me really happy. Um. But the way that Tynan writes relationships between these characters is just top-notch. Like, it's up there with, with the way Brian K. Vaughn writes Runaways in terms of how these kids sound like kids and sound like people and fight like kids but also get over it the way kids do the next day where it's like, okay, we fought yesterday in history class, but we're back tomorrow and we've all gone home and everyone's cool now. And then sometimes maybe they don't. And it gets yeah. into weird romantic triangles. Not weird, but romantic triangles become a lot of it in the next right. couple of arcs. Well, and the other thing that I notice very clearly, and, I, and this gets, starts getting set up real early, is there's that whole teenage tendency to very clearly label things and people. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you expect this person to be this. And when you get into a situation where... You know, you're taken out of this normal context. Those sometimes kind of start to yeah. break down, or people have to get outside of those labels. 
and that's very cool. And the really canny thing to me about it, and that I'm going to shut up, is that, and ask you guys questions. <laughs> we can, I mean, no, go ahead. <laughs> what I really love about the way they do that is you as the reader, at least this was the experience for me, fall fall victim to it too. Like you find oh, yeah. yourself, oh, that idiot is running naked through the hallways. <laughs> oh, McCready. Yeah. Yeah. And then like give it a few issues and he's probably your favorite character. Yeah. Um, and he's super useful and has these weird badass skills <laughs> and uh yeah. I find myself doing the same thing. Like the trope is used against me to make me feel like, okay, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't label them either. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of breakfast club type feeling in yeah. this. So. Okay. Who wants to tell me what they thought? Has Good anybody job. seen battle Royale? Am I seeing the movie battle Royale? This was like battle Royale with monsters. And I was all about it. It was on a different planet. And there were monsters, but these kids were just like those kids, and it was great. Have you seen Battle Royale? Nope. nope. Oh, God. I've seen Bad the first movies. two Hunger Games movies. Okay. There you go. That's yeah. similar-ish. Not quite, but Not sure. Quite. Okay. It was so good. These kids... Like, I would like to know kids like this, but at the same time, I probably want to just slap the snot out of their mouths or something. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely McCready. He's he's like he's like my brother. Yeah, that yeah. actually is very true. Yeah. I didn't think of that. <laughs> Ryan. Oh, I I very very much enjoyed it. Um, one of the things that Alex and I have have both come to realize that we both really really like stories about groups of teenagers, and part of that is that uh, that relationships they they are so dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, they can, I mean literally from day to day it can change. Um, and as much as, uh, kind of like we just talked about, as much as you want to label these, this person this way, it doesn't really, that's not yeah. who they really are. Um, they kind of live up to that persona in school or in this environment, this normal environment. But when you take them out of that, they, they're someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like when you write books about teenagers, the ones I've read that I loved are very relationship forward. Yeah. But it also gives you room to define this context for these relationships. And then so exactly kind of like what you're saying, right? Let them sort of change and evolve and become different people or yeah. more full people yeah. through the course of what happens and see how that plays into everything. Yeah. I think it's a much more mechanically complex sort of setup because kids change. Kids are still figuring out who they are. Yeah. The difference I would say between this and the and like uh, Runaways, for instance, mm -hmm. is I think you have much more clear adult involvement in this one. You do uh, certainly in the school, and I think that's an interesting something to interject into yeah. as well, because uh, you know the adults a lot of them fall into that same assumption of stereotypes yeah. or, mm -hmm. or labels. Well, and, I'm yeah. I'm going to. Not spoil, but kind of tease some of the things that happen in the second arc, just to give you guys an idea of context. Okay. Uh, they find other civilization. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of hinted at in this. It's one. it's sort of this patchwork of people who have fallen to this this hmm. world in different times, hmm. and it becomes almost this parallel these parallel streams of 
the problems that are happening in the much smaller community of the school versus the problems that the society that's been here for hundreds, if not thousands of years, are still dealing with. Mm. Uh, you also learn things like Ben has a thing for uh, Adrian, not Adrian, the blonde kid who's into Adrian. Yep, give me a second. The cute, cute theater yeah. kid. Yeah. You find out that there's a history between, uh, that there are histories between other characters and like, Character, a character is best friends with someone else, but has feelings for that person. But that person likes someone. It's 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 high school romance, yes, but Isaac. it becomes yeah. it becomes this thing that really drives ulterior motives and becomes sort of the secret motives that no one sees in survival. It's like if CW could do drama right. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, you also meet Macready's older brother. Mm. Oh, what? Who is? The worst. He let me guess. He's McCready without his heart and skills and charm and. He is a con man. Yeah. He bilks their grandmother into paying his way into private school. He's constantly getting in trouble and then blaming McCready for it and getting McCready kicked out of schools. <laughs> and he's always running these cons and dragging McCready into it and threatening and blackmailing him if he doesn't. Yeah, he's an he's a jerk older brother. Yeah. And it's like the the second arc deals with they're they're selling tickets to I don't think they even say some Shakespeare, some Shakespeare play. And like McCready's older brother makes him go steal the box office lockbox so that he can pay back this kid who he owes money because of a bet he lost. Uh and that's why like really Really and truly, if you guys had had time to hit both arcs, yeah, yeah, uh, I think you the, both the first two trades. I think you get a really full picture, and after that, it kind of iterates. Nice. There is, I have zero question. I will yeah. read the second trade, oh, yeah. but I'm I, I'm interested in this. very much a fan of this book, and I think it's been optioned for TV on Sci-Fi or something Ooh. recently. Sci-Fi so. would do oh, good nice. with that. Yeah. Okay, so you got anything else on that or no. anything? No, I'm good, Brian. I would, I, personally, I would recommend all three of these. Like I said, no, yeah. no going into Kid Lobotomy, it's going to be really different. The other two, you know, no hesitation for pretty much anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hesitate on The Woods or Pretty Deadly. Kid Lobotomy would be like a specialty recommendation. It would. It, you, you would have to be yeah. the right person in the right frame of mind. To, to I was going to say state of being, but that works too. <laughs> There's a, a fair amount of violence in all of them. Yes. Yeah. So be ready for that. Yes. And a lot of body horror type yes. violence if if mosquito monsters erupting out of a kid's arm are not your thing maybe don't they're, read they're the not. Yeah. if if the kid becoming a mosquito or cockroach monster is your yeah. thing, then yeah. lots of bug imagery actually in all three of these, yeah. these. A lot of these yeah. dang we went for a theme y'all we did didn't even know it how about that <laughs> all right so at this point, if any of you has questions you want to ask us, feel free to do that. Otherwise, we've got some from some of our occasional guest hosts who sent us in questions to help prime the pumps. Um, does anyone have one now? Just Okay, cool. If anyone thinks of one, just like hand up and we'll, yeah. we'll get you. So, occasional guest ghost Tim. Yes. Guest ghost. Uh... Do you have any favorite story tropes that are frequently used 
any you hate. All right. So I have one that I do not care for. Uh, and I, <laughs> I made no secret of this. Uh, the whole Civil War superhero fighting superhero thing. I'm way, way over it. Um, I just, yeah, there's so many better and more interesting to me ways to tell stories than to try to set that up and and do it again. Um, That would be the one I don't care for. I think there are ways to execute that well, Mm -hmm. and I would point to something like Injustice Mm -hmm. as a great example of writing that, and writing that in a way that's very personal. It's about... Bruce and Clark's friendship. Yes. And the way that deteriorates. I think there's something also very, very different about Injustice, and that is it does not take place in the continuity universe. That's true. And knowing that everything has to go back, it kind of makes the whole thing feel pointless anyway. That's Yeah. yeah. So I I guess I should say in major continuities, doing that is... I think it's a much harder needle to thread than, than... People give it credit for, but I'm, I'm with you. I get a little tired of the let's have. I'm okay with like the 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 to use Evan Narcissus term meet brute the okay two super powered characters meet for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understanding. I'm fine with that. But the full everyone in the world is fighting. Right, you yeah. pick sides. That, kind of thing. yeah. That gets hard for me to read after a while. Yeah. So, but in that same vein, though, one of my favorite tropes right now it and it happens mostly in books with teenagers as the protagonists and stuff is the people who try their hardest to talk it out and it still fails because they're usually talking to adults who do not want to freaking listen i mean is this where we inevitably mentioned the unstoppable (laughs) every i think we've made it like three episodes come on no never i will never stop talking about that book it is everything that is right in the world It, it really is though um, it's a good book. Because that's her thing is she does always try to talk it out, and sometimes it doesn't work, and she still has to fight. Yep, but yeah. it's uh, that's always her last choice. And, yeah, uh, we were talking about this. Uh, certainly, the first couple of issues of X Men Red. Yeah, Jean Grey mm-hmm. started doing that same kind of thing, yeah. and I think that's a wonderful, wonderful. Thing. And it's it's not a comic, but I'm going to mention Horizon Zero Dawn in that same breath yeah. because yeah. Aloy has a has a strain of that in her. Yep, agreed. Here's one I really like. Okay. Characters, and I'm not necessarily talking specifically about just legacy characters. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not like Wally West taking over for Barry. I think mm-hmm. is a different thing than exactly what I'm talking about here. Right. Not a bad thing, but a different thing. Mm-hmm. But characters who are not the A-list hero, and it's usually A-list heroes when this happens. I know taking over the mantle, uh, your superior Spider-Man, your Jane Foster, Mighty Thor. That kind of story I absolutely love. And I know I know that's something that some people get tired of because people like the versions of characters they grew up with. They like that. And don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. The idea of Peter being dead hurts me. <laughs> but also... I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to giggle at your pain. No, no, it's fine. My pain is funny. I think there is tremendous value in a story that lets you see how strong or how good a character is at what they do and at being who they are by taking someone completely different and putting them in the same circumstances. I agree. I think that it can be done very, very well if that person is not trying to be the last person. Right. Like, 
But, you do you. Be your Spider-Man. Be your Thor. But I don't think you. I think sometimes. I think you're Hawkeye. I mean, I think this is where we're at shades okay. of different things because the reason for me Superior Spider-Man works so well is because, at least as far as public appearance, Otto wants the world to think he's Peter. Oh yeah. He is trying to live Peter's life now. He's trying to do it better than Peter ever did. But the entire point of that is no matter how hard Otto tries, Otto will never be as good. So you have to be, you have to see Otto try to be Peter. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's different though. I mean, yeah. the, the whole point of that is he's trying to be Peter. Yeah. Right. And he's trying to be superior to, and the, the, right. it's in the title. The less, the, the, the point is Peter is that version of Spider-Man. Otto will never be that. Correct. Uh, and the only way, the only way Otto can, be that is to not be that. Mm-hmm. Um, to put it in maybe the least spoilery way possible. <laughs> and to me, that's different than something like than someone like Miles Morales, who is not necessarily trying to be Peter. He's right. trying to be his own his, his own version. He's trying to honor that yeah. legacy in his own way. Yeah, correct. Yep. Um, which I think is more like Kate Bishop and Hawkeye, mm-hmm. or or Laura and Wolverine. Yeah. And, yeah. Whereas. Although I'd I'd, ar- I'd make an argument on Laura that she, that her arc as Wolverine is so much about moving past trauma in a way that Logan doesn't let himself do. How mm-hmm. interesting that you would bring that up because that's actually my truth. Is <laughs> is I like when we see a character go through their trials and their tra- that all the characters do, but they actually really come out of it changed, yeah. not just kind of oh for this next yeah. two issues they're going to be this way. And then they go back to what they because we and we've talked about it so many times on the show about how there's a lot of characters that have to go back to their status quo. Yeah, yeah. You know, your Superman and your Spider, they're gonna have to go back to who they were at some point. There's kind of a baseline that they have to yeah. get reset to periodically. Well, and on the same note, like the thing I don't love is the opposite of that when mm-hmm. the awful thing happens for the sake of the awful thing happening yes. and there's not a change. Yeah. Um. So my my point is and what kind of ties into what you were saying is i think that's one of the huge advantages of having these kind of legacy type characters step in is because they're not that a-list hero person you can see them truly change and become something else right and that to me is what makes it yeah kind of cool and that god it's like we rehearsed this that ties into (laughs) my least favorite trope um i very much dislike when they show that a character has had this big change, has had this movement, um, and then the character, for some really dumb reason, lets this self-doubt creep back into them. It's like, you just did the thing. I just saw you do the thing. Now go do the damn thing. I just read 15 issues of you learning this thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It makes me crazy. There... The... There is a character, actually, that is the hardest character for me to read because of that. Because Please say Barry Allen. Nope, I know who it is. Well, that's to, actually a good answer. Can I guess? <laughs> Two-thirds, I'd say, of the comics I have read about this character have boiled down to I don't learn from my mistakes and make the same ones over and over again, but Meow. acknowledge that those are the mistakes I made. Meow. It's Catwoman in it. Oh, yeah. And before you say it, it's not any one particular writer. No. <laughs> no, fair enough. Um, <laughs> no, I won't even say that. No. No. Because to be completely fair, I was off that book before that writer took off. Yeah. 
Now, that being said, the one that came out last week. Oh, there were a couple of great runs of Catwoman. Darwin I'm Cook. Super happy. Uh, Genevieve Valentine. Yeah. Joel Jones. Joel like Jones. All of those. I mean, Joel Jones is one issue in, but yeah, I, I Joel Jones is a good writer and a promising. great artist. It looks very promising. Yeah. yeah. But Barry Allen is also a very also good Also Harley example. Quinn. Huh? Also Harley Quinn. Yeah. Is she? Is that a problem of her like not learning her people, lessons though. or editorial not letting her grow? That one. That's what yeah, that she's is. like three different characters sometimes. Yeah. 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 Well, so. I mean, she's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Any hands? So we're off the book, but with sure. the acronym of Day War, are you ready for death to matter in the comic book world? Yes. So the question is. In the advent of Infinity War, are we ready for death to matter in the comic book world? That's specifically obviously referencing the movie. Yeah. Because, I mean, characters will die in the book, and 10 years later, they'll do all different lines. And I'm just meaning in general, characters don't die in the comic book world. It's always been Unless you're a... Are you going to steal my joke about Peter Parker? Yeah, unless you're a, 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 a somehow in a, in a relationship or involved in some way in Peter Parker's life. If then Peter you, loves you when you die, dead. you'll stay that way. That's right. <laughs> Unless he has a marriage he can sacrifice. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I am absolutely in favor of death in comics, mm -hmm. in comic book movies. I, and I've said before on the show, I came to reading comics. Like last, I did all the other kinds of comic, of superhero media, mm -hmm. and then came to comics. I've been reading comics about uh, seven years now regularly. And one of the things that I've been thinking about actually a lot lately is no one does get to stay dead. You don't have, you certainly don't have Ben Parker's or Gwen Stacy's at this point. Right. You don't have Barry Allen's at this point. Right. Yeah, I mean, everybody may as well be Winchester's. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You're not wrong. But... And it's not necessarily that I want every character to suffer that kind of loss for that long. No. But I think it's a completely different kind of storytelling that you can, you can put on the page mm -hmm. when as a reader, you can't assume, okay, this is a cool story, but when this writer leaves, things will go back to normal. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm excited. So I'm going to say that I'm excited right now, but I have had a really tough couple of years dealing with death myself. Um, the two people who got me into and kept me in comics, kept me in reading comics, uh, passed away in the past couple of years. So having those characters that they got me to love also pass away is going to be really rough. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a hard thing to deal with. But I think it's going to be interesting to see the characters dealing with the stuff that I'm also dealing with in real life. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of, you mentioned one is I, I started reading comics 1976 <laughs> long long time ago yes brian do you want to know how many years that was before no, i was born? i don't i don't are you sure um but uh, the first comic book i ever started collecting was flash when barry allen died i like i was like it, it was like a gut punch because characters didn't do that then like not not did they not die and come back like i mean if that was the case it was like next issue and they you, you knew yeah. they weren't really dead right like he was gone for what thirteen years or something, twelve years. Yeah. I don't know. And that was gone. before they hinted that right. he might be alive. Right. Exactly, exactly. Let alone before that he felt showed back like up. Somebody like a mainline character had really gone and passed on, and, and yeah. you know, Wally came in and became the Flash, and he was the Flash, and that was it. 
And that's the biggest thing I think you lose beyond storytelling yeah. is you can't really have these legacy, you know, the second, technically third Flash. You can't. Right. It's much harder to have legacy characters taking over A-listers' mantles right. if there are other people running around with the same name. Yeah. I know this is something that kind of frustrate, frustrates you a little bit with Kate Bishop. A little is bit. That, a little bit. Less now, I think, than when yeah. we first started the show. Yeah, now that she's so fleshed out and she just freaking owns it. Yeah. I like it better. Yeah. But uh, it, it used to make me very angry. Yeah. Any any other questions, or we'll go back to the list? Cool. So, I, I'm ready. ready. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can't say I like them all, but, you right. know, but I'm ready for it. Here's a character who will never die and stay that way. What arc has the best use of Deadpool as a major part of the narrative? <laughs> and that is from Adam, who hasn't been on in a while, and we need to get yeah. back sometime. Yeah, it's since, like, episode five. Wow. Yeah. So, super long time ago. Yeah. Brian, you got anything? Uh, here's the thing. Um, I like Deadpool. I just haven't read a lot of Deadpool. He's not... He's a hard character for me to continue to like. Um, I, I get I get tired of him fairly quickly. That being said, uh, we are two issues into Scotty Young's run that just started three, four weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, really liking how he's doing it. Quite possibly because the character who just sits behind a desk and doesn't do anything, which is Negasonic Teenage Warhead, is probably the best character in that book. <laughs> She is wonderful yes. in this comic. Um, and so, I mean, that's, I have to go with that only because right. that's what I'm most familiar with that I like that I know Deadpool, where I have consistently liked it so far. All right, Jen, I know your answer. Not just because you confirmed you it to me earlier, but because this is your answer. No, you go. Oh, I mean, mine's I honestly probably the same list. as yours. You got a list. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Deadpool versus Gambit miniseries. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's really um, good. Any of the Deadpool verses lately have been pretty good. And I really liked, and this ties into this is a very small part of a larger answer that will be Jin's. But I really liked the way Deadpool was handled in Secret Empire, which mm. in general is something I have very mixed feelings about. But Wade as kind of tragic, well-intentioned person who trusted the wrong guy, I think was a really clever take to give him some weight in a story that was about something so much bigger than he could be about. Yes. Also, the answer Jen's going to give, I agree with. Okay. Well, let me go through a couple first. Um, okay. Obviously, the versus Gambit. Yeah. Real good. Yeah. Um. Versus the Marvel Universe? I haven't read the second one, but the first one was pretty stellar. You know, that reminds me. I also really dug Night of the Living Deadpool, which yes. is also Colin Bunn. Yes. Colin Bunn does really good Deadpool. Yeah. Um, but Alex had to say Secret Empire to get to my answer, um, because it is such a big part of the development of Jerry Duggan's run. This, this past, before Scotty Young, mm -hmm. the Deadpool that Jerry Duggan wrote was probably the deepest character dive that has been done for Deadpool. And it made him so very sympathetic that I almost cried reading it like five times. And I know I'm a crier, but whatever. It doesn't matter. 
Um, it was just so good and so fleshed out. Like, he wasn't just a smart aleck, which he, he was, but he wasn't just that. He was also a dad who's worried about his kid. He's also a friend who's worried about the fact that all of his other friends hate him because he made one really effed up mistake. Really effed up. Um, and it just drove him down this really wicked path of self-destruction that it was hard to watch. He can heal from anything, but he can't heal emotionally. <laughs> Lamo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. <laughs> yeah. So Jerry Duggan's run, hand da- hands down, five years of comics worth every cent paid. I am so good. St- I am still reading through them. I will say this: the arc with Cap and Wolverine. Yes. Is if you read that and you don't feel things. Go consult a physician. <laughs> Something it's just a me. heartbreaking yeah. book. Yeah. It really is. All right. Yes. Do you want to repeat um, back to the mic? So basically, what's your name? Chris yes. has said that there's no better combo than Spider-Man, Deadpool, and the Marvel Universe. That is a lot of fun. That is so much fun. Just in the very first trade of that, when you get to see them at the, on the dance floor. Yes. Because normally that's Peter's job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Right? And somebody out Petering Peter. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so, so good. And it's super worth it for um, some good, good smooth and Scarboy action. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> the old Peter, old Wade, young Peter, young Wade yes. stuff that's happening right now is, that's, that, is my favorite that's part. That's feels, of it. too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll touch you right in the emotion bone. The secret to good Deadpool is to make people cry. Yeah. All right. Pretty much. All right. That's a good question. Where so the question say? is, and I didn't get your name earlier. What was your name? Charles. I'm sorry, Charles. Uh, so the question is, if you don't know Deadpool, where's a good place to start? I honestly think the Duggan Run is a great place. That was the first Deadpool I read any of. Um, and you don't have to know a whole lot, certainly, especially if you've seen the movies. Yeah. I mean. He's Canadian, and he heals when he gets hurt and had cancer and now doesn't and is super scarred. But you can start with about that. It is a big, huge, huge chunk of stuff to read, though. Yeah. It's it's a gigantic thing. Um, I I would say, and I don't know how it's going to turn out because it just started, but I would say that you can probably start picking up the Scotty Young stuff and be totally fine. He goes through a bunch of different types of origin stories to begin with (laughs) which was real real fun (laughs) and also feeds into my conspiracy corner um jen's conspiracy yeah jen believes there's a conspiracy of a secret marvel dc crossover in the works it's happening okay it's happening i have lots of evidence i'll compile it all for you later and put it in a big giant bonus episode yeah um maybe we can get some like panoramic shots of the room you have with the little threads running from from note card to note card you guys think he's joking. Um, <laughs> it's happening. That's why we don't have a dedicated studio yet. But I would so. say that if you want to get into it, you can start with Scotty Young. And then yeah. go back and read everything else. The other thing I would say, I, I, I don't know the Duggan run as much. The Scotty Young stuff 
is very, very similar to the movie Deadpool. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And it they, is probably so, closer. Yeah. They mention that too. That. They, yeah. they mention, hey, why not? Why don't we just play on that? But yeah. It's cute. So. Uh, also, the movies, if you haven't seen them, are a great way to <laughs> Those start. Those are fun. Yeah. yeah. Those are a lot of fun. All right. Unless I see. Oh, oh there we go. Movie-wise, is that what you're talking about? The movies? Did we like the first one better than the second one? Um, it. So I love them both. It was exactly the same movie twice. So I kind of like them both the same, for various reasons. Yeah. I like the second one better than the first. Um, I think they do have some similarities. <laughs> yeah. I think the action sequences in the second movie are above and beyond. Um, I think there are some of the best action sequences in any superhero movie, especially the chase sequence in which Domino's powers are turning yes. the roads into a giant Rube Goldberg device. Yes. Mm -hmm. I need epic. a couple of physicists to plot out a Domino solo film yeah. Yeah. that is one long Rube Goldberg. Um, what Rube is that Goldberg one poor dude's was. name? Peter? Is that his name? The yeah. guy with no powers? The guy with yeah. powers? Yes. Uh, nice. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. my, my personal opinion, I would say I probably like the first, for me, the first one probably edges it out. Part of that is just because it was so different as a superhero yeah. movie, right? Yeah. When it came out. Um, that being said, Domino is so amazing in number yes. two. Mm -hmm. like, also, yeah. she needs a solo film. Yeah. While we're while we're in conspiracy corner land, did anybody notice the Joker in the prison in Deadpool two? Yeah. Okay. I finally have had a couple of people say yes to me, and I'm okay. getting people here okay. saying yes and nodding their heads. Um. The cojones that took to yeah. do makes me so happy. Yeah. Uh. DC Universe, yeah. 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 Well, and, and the whole Green Lantern, you know, script at yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you haven't noticed, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the very first shot, there's a prison in the movie. The very first shot that's like angled down over the inmates, looking like the top left corner of the screen, not all the way, but just like halfway between the midpoint and the top left corner. And you'll see bleached white skin, green slicked back hair, some kind of something across his forehead. Hmm. Um, it's it's the Joker. <laughs> the Joker is in Deadpool. That is all. Nice. Uh, looking for hands? If not, we'll go to the next one. Next question. All right. From Meg, mm -hmm. who was on last week with us. Week. Yeah. I was at Disney. Sorry. Here is the oh, cruelest. Sorry. Yeah, don't be sorry. <laughs> Here is the cruelest question to ask. Who is your favorite superhero and their best comic run? Okay. <laughs> I can go. Okay. It's Power Girl. Definitely oh, yeah, this Power is Girl. easy for Jen. Yeah, it's definitely Power it's Girl. Um, she, she's, she's the best, period. If you say anything else, you're wrong, and I will tell you at length why. Um, but best is either Power Trip or Bomb Squad. I'm going to go with Power Trip. Yes. I haven't read it yet. No. Then Bomb Squad. I've read Bomb Squad. Bomb Squad. That's 
Power Trip is the gray Palmer Caniati. Right, okay, Bomb Squad. Palm, no, Connor Palmiati. Yep, I, Connor Palmiati. I swapped those Palmer, consonants. Palmiati, yeah. yeah. So which one? Uh, Bomb Squad. Bomb Squad. Bomb Squad. So good. I love anything where Power Girl gets to be out front, but those show her personality and her attitude the best. The best. Brian? Okay, I've got to split my answer, and there's a reason for this. Um, so Because he likes to cheat. Because I, I, I like to cheat, that's why. Now, realistically, um, I, and people who have listened to the show for a long time know this, but I kind of stopped reading comics in like 92, 93-ish time frame. Uh, and then pick back up uh, about two and a half years ago or so. So there's a big <laughs> gap for me in there. That. But comics, so I, I kind of split my comics knowledge and, and thinking into those two time frames. And before that gap, comics were written and the stories that were written were so incredibly different than comic stories that are written today. Um, I have a really hard time comparing them, especially if you're talking about arts and stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Which is actually what you add together to make comics. I, exactly. <laughs> and there you go. So um, pre that, I, I would have to have said my favorite superhero was Flash. That's who I started with, and I just had a super nostalgic. And Wally my, or Barry or either? Huh? Wally or Barry? Specifically or then it was Barry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and my favorite run of that would have to be... Because uh, <laughs> it, was, it was one huge yeah. thing. You can't so kind of arc-ish story thing within that would be the whole misunderstanding and lead up and death of Iris and and how that yes. resolved itself. Yes. Was that Mark Wade? Oh, wow. No. Uh, I know Carmen Infantino was drawing then and who was writing? Shoot. I don't remember. Was that okay. What's that? Was that Carrie Bates? Mm, it may have been. Like I said, I... I Without looking, I honestly I can't remember. But it was the whole Clive Yorkin and that whole progression of of stuff. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought that that was absolutely fantastic. Post that, ah, that's honestly for me that's a much harder question. Um, I may, and you're going to think this is kind of a comp out, but I, I'm probably going to have to go with. Unstoppable Wasp, Naughty Pym. Just no, that's because, a good answer. Just because that character represents such a... There's no way her story and how her character reacts to things would ever have been anything previously. No. It didn't even really, and without a few exceptions maybe, exist in Marvel and DC as with characters. No, I mean... Um, and I think that's a very contemporary story i don't think even when i started reading seven eight years ago that you would have seen a story like that told and i absolutely love that character that outlook what she tries to do and not to mention there's so much humor in it that it's wonderful yeah i have the most basic answer ever and i'm sorry for that but the truth is ever since i was a little kid i have loved spider-man and i have never not loved spider-man um, when I started reading, Spider-Man was the first thing I started reading because I was afraid to read a Spider-Man comic because it would let me down. And then I started reading Dan Slott's run and realized I was ridiculous. Uh, any of that big time run when he first took over as a solo series, I think is wonderful. Up into uh, Superior, 
I think, and I, I said this earlier, like, maybe the best way to show why Peter is the greatest as Spider-Man is to see someone who has so much in common with him fail because he misses what really makes Peter Spider-Man. Um, if I flip the question the other way, go with like, what story has made me love a character who I never expected to love a lot, then stuff like All New Wolverine becomes yeah. a very recent yeah. answer or Unstoppable choice. Wasp. Yeah. Um, but if I'm putting the hero first and giving the honest answer, it's it's always been Spider-Man. I'm never not going to love Spider-Man. Yeah. I might not like everything that's out there that's Spider-Man. All right. Sorry. Can you tell me? Do you think all the spin-offs are good for it? You mean like like Peter Parker and the Miles Morales Spider-Man and yeah. the Spider-Verse and the, all of the yeah Spider-Gwen? Spider-Gwen? Yeah. I think that good spin-offs can never hurt. I think there is such a thing of, for any character, too much if you get to the point where the the desire to have a book to sell comes before having a creative team that has something to do. I love Spider-Gwen. I love Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. Honestly, every bit as much as I love Dan Slott's run, which I, and no offense to Chips Darsky, but I didn't expect that. Um, that that run is there and as good as it is actually makes seeing Slot leave easier for me. I haven't gotten to read the first issue of Nick Spencer's run yet, so I'm not saying anything either way there. <laughs> um, I didn't want that to be like dis by omission. I certainly think that, that sometimes there is too much and sometimes it waters things down, but like I love Silk and I read Silk and I don't think it got a lot of attention that it deserved. Yes. Yeah. So gets her own movie adaptation. Yeah. Yes. Adaptation. Yeah. And here's the thing. Here's the, I, and I'll share part of what I think does work with the different Spider titles is they're not all trying to be Peter Parker Spider Man. Um, you know, Spider Gwen is on a different Earth and it yeah. tells a very different story. Um, Renew Your Vows is a super super different yeah. situation they put them in. Um, with you know where he's married and has a child. And in all honesty, a lot of it, especially recently, has been more about Annie Mae than as, you know, uh, Peter. Lead with writing and art, and you'll always have a good book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rapid fire, and then we're going to wrap it up. Okay. Indie comic recommendation. This was also from Meg. uh, Wicked Divine. You motherfucker. Saga. I'm going to give, like, three. Submerged, which just came out. just started. Wow. Deep Roots which is a couple issues in. And here's one that comes out this Wednesday that I've heard nothing but amazing things about and have been super excited for. Euthanauts, which is written by Teeny Howard. It's coming mm-hmm. out through uh, that same Black Crown or whatever. Uh, Black Crown, yeah. yeah. Black Crown. Uh, it's coming out through the same imprint, actually, that did mm-hmm. Kid Lobotomy. I cannot wait for that book, but and I it, am stoked for this I, thing. I, I just wanted the, to read the, it early. The solicitation about that one talk about how it's kind of like astronauts, hence the yeah. euthanauts, but instead of going in outer space, they're going beyond the veil of death. Yeah. 
So it's kind of, it's almost like it almost made me think of the Flatliners movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like it's exploring the realm of death with space as metaphor for death, right. and it looks super cool. Thank you all for all for coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we hope you've had a good time. I don't know what system they actually have in place for like rating or letting people know you had a good time or if there is one, but if there is, we'd love it if you did. Um, if you haven't listened before, you can check us out on our website at panelologypodcast.com and feel free always to send us questions there. We'll read them on the show. We usually only get them around live shows when we shake the trees for them, but <laughs> anytime we get them, we're happy to read them. Uh, at panelology on all social media. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and if you want to reach out to any of us and ask us questions, our handles are on our website too. Mm -hmm. So thank you all. Uh, and enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah. yeah enjoy the con. Woo, thank you. Yeah. We recorded that, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I put it right there so I can check. Cool. Hey everybody, it's Alex again, back to do that pesky outro thing. We'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. We're available on your preferred podcatching platform, probably. And if we're not, just let us know what it is and we'll do our best to rectify that. Otherwise, visit us at panelologypodcast.com. While you're at panelologypodcast.com, you can also check out how to follow each of us on social media or submit questions to us. We'll take them anytime, not just when we have live shows, so. If you've got them, shoot them our way and we'll answer them. If you want to support us, you can subscribe to our show, if you haven't already, on your podcatching platform of choice, as previously discussed. Or you can share us with really anybody. It doesn't have to be friends. People you think would like us. If you've done those things and would like to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be phenomenally helpful. Or if you're feeling just incredibly generous, you can visit us at patreon.com slash panelology to become a monthly patron of the show. We'd like to thank Atlanta Comic Con one more time for having us as a panel, as well as everyone who came to see the show. If you didn't get to make it out to see us, but want a chance to do so in the future, we have every intention of continuing to do live shows, so just keep listening and we'll let you know when they're coming up. If you would like more of Jenna and me with occasional guest hosts Mag and guest ghost Tim, you can check us out on Minds at Yerk, our bi-monthly or bi-weekly, depending on which version of bi-whatever you mean, uh, every fortnight, Adamorph's podcast in which we reread the series, or in Tim's case, read it for the first time. There are three episodes out already. Uh, as you are listening to this, we are getting ready to record the fourth, which will be out the week after this episode comes out. You can check that out at mindsatyerk.com or in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. That's Yerk, Y-E-E-R-K. I'm still Alex. That hasn't changed in the two days since we recorded this episode, and I imagine Jenna and Brian are still Jenna and Brian. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Mm -hmm.